Right, everybody, um, before I start the podcast, I just want to do some um, thanks to some new subscribers. Um, guys, as you know, I've just been hit by a second suspension. I'm basically now totally dependent on you guys for everything. I have sacrificed my 25-year career to basically speak up and tell the truth and not basically live a lie. Um, it's funny, at this party, wedding yesterday afternoon and birthday party last night, I met three doctors and they were congratulating me and thanking me for everything I'm doing. Um, but they said they couldn't do what I'm doing because they were just not in a position to do so. As if I am. As if I've got my mortgage paid off and my kids have left home and you know they've graduated and they're settled. Um, no, I'm just as an, an awkward position as they are. Um, I'm just as vulnerable, if not more. And, you know, I, I said this to them and I said, look, I, I've put everything on the line to do the right thing. And they didn't really have a response. Um, but I'm comforted and, you know, yeah, happy and about the future and optimistic because of all of you guys listening. So I just want to say Veronica, Veronica, um, Mac P. Thank you so much for subscribing to my podcast. Um, Iorekna, um, I'm sorry if I've just messed up that name. Um, thank you so much for subscribing. But you also did a founder plan, $190 a year. Thank you so much. And I love your message. I have enjoyed your podcast so much and even have my daughter listening to them. Well, I, I hope she's old enough. And I'm sorry for saying frack that and frack this. You are a breath of fresh air and common sense. Thank you for your sacrifice of speaking out. Um, thank you. And to be honest, I wouldn't have it any other way. Lynn Matthews, thank you so much. Ellen Young, um, God bless you for all those coffees. I know you're out there in Mexico right now. And you've told me that you're not earning a lot. A lot. You're not wealthy, um, but you're financially comfortable. It's funny. All my supporters are not wealthy. I've been approached by a lot of wealthy people saying they want to help me, but they're all a bunch of jokers. They all want something from me. They all want to use me. None of them want to even subscribe £3.50 a month. When I say to them, have you subscribed £3.50 a month? They go, oh, no, no, we can do something different and we can help monetize. And, you know, it involves me giving money to them or doing something. And it's, yeah, not interested. If, so if you're wealthy and you think you're going to help me by trying to scam me, just get lost. All my supporters are just common people, my people. Flynn, I love you. You're out in Canada. God bless you. Um, Teresa Peterson, God bless you. Trish Dennis, God bless you. Um, Baps, <laughs> Tanu, um, and Liz Marsh, Elaine Tyndall, Saul Pochin, um, Trish DeLaurencies. Thank you so much. Um, Laura, Laura Gilmer, you said you're so welcome. Thank you for the calm and sanity you have helped maintain in my mind as I navigate this magical life in a world filled with lunacy. <laughs> I love that. I feel less lonely and more validated since I found your podcast. My only trouble is finding the time to get through the amount of material you provide. I appreciate you so much. Much love to you and your family. Oh, God bless you, Laura. And folks, I just want to say I love your messages. Like seriously, they're food for my soul. Um, they make me so happy. Stuart Robinson, I think you're amazing. Ahmed, 
keep going and please never stop. Well, I mean, because of people like you, I am not stopping. Sunita uh, Karnik, thank you so much. David Knight, Smasher, um, God bless you. Poddy, Paul Morrison, God bless you. Um, guys, uh, look, seriously, because of you, I, uh, I can keep going. Bring on all the suspensions, whatever. Because of people like you, I can carry on. And the last one is from Mark. Have been listening to your podcast for many months and I've learned so much useful information. Bed, bed podcast around, in my opinion. Folks, um, I just want to say thank you to all of you. Um, I love you all so much. Um, everyone else is listening. If you think, oh, look at all these supporters. We don't need to do anything now. At £3.50 a month, um, we're not talking about very much and I, I'm still not earning anywhere near enough. Probably about 30% of what I need to break even and pay my bills um, and carry on doing what I'm doing and be free and unshackled. So if you're listening to my podcast, you love what I'm doing. Um, if you want to fight the system, but you don't want to pop your head above the parapet, you don't want to lose anything, well, help me then. Help me in my fight. Um, and £3.50 is honestly, what, less than a coffee a month. So please, folks, um, do me a solid. Help me um, fight the system and not let the bastards get me down. All right, folks. God bless you. Bye-bye. Right, Mike, Mike, Mike. I, it's only fair. It's only fair that I reciprocate because I've been on your podcast twice now, and and you've never been on my podcast. And I think you have the honor of being the first podcast that I went on as a guest. So thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Mr. Mike Farris. Thank you for thank you for having me, man. And uh, I'm sure we're going to get into this, but thank you for everything you've done. And uh, you know, it's no secret. I've said this many a times on my show. I've talked about you, you know, many a times. But you know, it's it's amazing how one conversation can change and alter your trajectory. I don't think yeah. people realize that. I don't think people realize the conversation you and I had on my show and how much it's had an impact on my life right now. So thank you. Dude, I love you, man. So for all those people who have absolutely no idea what we're talking about, I mean, are we talking about you coming out the closet and accepting the fact that you're a trans redneck? <laughs> is it the fact that you've come out now and agreed that man-made climate change is an issue and you're trying your best not to fart to stop, you know, global warming? Is it the fact that you're now totally, you know, in love with, Beyond Burger and fake meat, um, because you want to save the planet and you're a good human being now. Is it is it the fact that I convinced you to get a booster so that you know you could save Granny, um, and kill yourself slowly? I mean, I don't know. What was the conversation? Remind everybody. What was it about? So, so we talked. It was Mother's Day, so it was mid May. You were you had said to me. Uh, because I was, you know, my anti-vax status, and I, and let me let me back up for people that don't know me. Uh, I, I've always, my name is Michael Ferris. I've always been one who was struggling with eating and weight mm -hmm. as a kid. You know, I had the husky size, husky, husky size jeans. Uh, I love fast food, um, and even in high school, uh, just 
college, so on and so forth. I'm 45 now. It's just always been a struggle for me. And I've fluctuated up and down, up and down. So you and I spoke in mid-May. Funny is two things that you said to me during the conversation. I threw disclaimers out. I said, I'm 45, I'm single, and I'm not gay. Because you had asked me if I was gay. And uh, so I always put that out there. I'm not gay. I'm a heterosexual. I don't care if people are gay, but, you know, just so people know. Neither do I. I don't care. But, um, I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're gay or not. Just, like, be proud of it. Own it. Yeah. No, no. It was just, it was just funny. It was just funny. <laughs> but, uh, but you had said, you know, we were talking about the anti-vax stuff. And uh, you're like, you know, I, you can't be an anti-vaxxer if you're going to eat basically like shit. And, you know, and people have their own definition of what diet is and their own definition of what they think good food is. But, you know, tortilla chips, beer, pretzels. Yeah, that's not good for you. And um, so I walked away from that. It was on a Sunday. I met up with some friends after for brunch. And uh, I said to myself, we talked about we talked about intermittent fasting. And you had said 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. If you're going to start with something, start with the 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. So I went down that day. I had brunch with my friends. I had, I had a beer or two. And I came home that night. And I love popcorn. So I had I made popcorn. But I'm like, all right, I'm going to stop eating before 6. And uh, from there, I just kept it in that 10 to 6 range. And I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a go of this. So I'm at 10 to 6, 10 to 6, 10 to 6. And actually, I had a friend of mine. Uh, there's a Whole Foods right next to me. And I've been going in there for almost 10 years. I was going in there before Amazon bought it. So, you know, I st- it still feels like a local store to me. Mm-hmm. But he actually, a guy who works in the produce section, said to me, you know, you got to eat a pound, a pound and a half of meat every day. And I was like, no way. Like, no way. I get like a third. I get like one chicken breast. And I thought maybe even that was too much. He goes, trust me. Eat two avocados a day. Um, so then I started doing that. I'd have a big salad. Uh, I have a like pound, pound and a half of meat every day, whether it be chicken or beef or sometimes pork with some bacon. And then um, a big salad in the afternoon. And then that was it. You know, I'd go to yoga in the evening. And I was into this preconceived notion because I always go to yoga. I do a lot of yoga. And uh, I practice yoga at six at night and then come home and eat. And uh, it's amazing, man. When you, It's such a psychological thing because I don't need to eat when I come home from yoga. I don't need to eat that late. I mean, yeah. And, and, and I run early in the morning, too. That's my thing. I love to run. I mean, mm. I just got done running 10 miles before we came on. Amazing. You know, I, just, I love to do it. Yeah, yeah. So now, I mean, I was 200 pounds when we did that conversation, which I would encourage anybody to go listen to it because, uh, you know, I I just, it changed changed the trajectory and where I'm going, you know, in my life. And, um, you know, and I I can't thank you enough for that, man. It, um, you know, I I ran 90 miles last week. I mean, I'm 151 pounds now. I was 200 pounds when you and I spoke in May. Wow. That's insane, man. It's really insane. I mean, the one thing I would say to you now is, I hope you don't mind, <laughs> throw in the strength training. No. <laughs> like, you need to you need so to. So I do fight. that three days a week. Good. Lift weights, man. Lift weights, eat meat, and go to sleep on time. I mean, that's... There that's the basics. other aspect, the other wrinkle of it, not to cut you off, so the other aspect of it, it was a guy at the gym so when i started it 
and I'd lifted weights off and on. And there were, you know, you have periods of your time, I mean, periods of your life where you shift. I don't know about you, like, like you shift maybe more to jujitsu for a while, then you shift more to mm. run for a while, and you shift more to weights for a while because you just get bored of the same routines. And, uh, so I, he helped me. He's like, do four sets of 15 in the beginning, four sets of 15, just, you know, do your exercises, but make sure it's controlled. Don't be, you know, your back's coming off the, you know, the bench or, so now he's got me doing four sets of 10. So I, I load, I went back, I went down from 15 to 10 and I'll tell you, Ahmed, I mean, I, I, I'm amazed that my strength is where lifting when I was 200 pounds, I'm lifting now at 151 pounds and I'm getting stronger. Like I'm doing pull-ups now. I could never do pull-ups. That was like when I was a kid, I was a husky kid that could never do a pull-up. <laughs> they made me go like do something else in elementary school or whatever. Like I couldn't climb the rope and I couldn't do a chin-up or a pull-up. I mean, I'm getting, it's not a lot, but I'm getting four or five pull-ups a set now. I never could do that. Amazing. I'm so happy, man. What you're developing, what you don't realize is you're developing proper old man strength. That's <laughs> so when I was in the gym doing jiu-jitsu, a young kid, half my age, twice my size, twice my weight, I was rolling with him and mid-roll, he's like, oh man, you got proper old man strength. And I was like, I don't know why I take this as a compliment or an insult. I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I love running as well, by the way. I love running with my wife in the woods. Um, or just, you know, sometimes I run on my own. Just gives, gives me mental clarity and just love it. I love being out in nature. Anyway, Mike, you're... Yeah, I saw that. Well, I was going to say you're a bit of an unusual person because like, um, I feel weird talking to you because you, you're the master. I'm the apprentice. You've been doing podcasts since 2018. You've done over like 700 episodes. Like, wow. Like, I don't even know where it's, to begin. Like, yeah, man, you know, it wasn't. Yeah, carry on. No, I said, it, I, well, when I started it, where is that now? That was never the intention behind any of this, you know. It, um, I, I was arrogant in my mind, man. I thought, I thought, like, oh, I'll get a few episodes with a couple of people, and it'll, you know, um, I don't know. I, I thought you, you always have these expectations, which is good, you, you know, they go a certain direction. Um, but I wanted to. I, I was, I was making trips to LA. I loved going to LA because it's a short drive or short flight to Phoenix from Phoenix, where I live. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I thought, like, I'm going to do food people. I'm going to do runners because I love runners and Flagstaff is like Flagstaff, Arizona for people who don't know. It's a Mecca. It's like an Olympic training ground for professional runners. So I'd go up there, you know, take my stuff, meet people. They record in person. Uh, I love boxing. I don't know if I told you that, but I love boxing. So I had Freddie Roach on my show. Uh, first podcast he ever did um, back in 2018. And um, then when COVID happened, man, it just... Um, you know, everything changed and I had to figure out a way to do things remotely. I never planned on doing things remotely. Um, I was actually going to go to LA like once a month and just podcasts. Uh, I, I, there's just, there's a plethora of people to talk to there. And, um, I had the guy on from he he was in the Richard Jewell movie. He started it. Paul Walter Hauser. I had met up with him when I was in LA. Um, which is a really good movie if you haven't seen it, but, uh, but yeah, then COVID came and, I was in, I was going to be apolitical. I wasn't. I was like, well, I'm just, I'll just 
stay away from the politics and just be neutral. And, you know, and, um, and when all that stuff started happening, I, I couldn't be quiet about all this. And that's when I started going down the political route with, with, um, Christina Bob was the first person, really the first, uh, conservative I had on. She was working for One American News at the time. And now she's one of, uh, President Trump's attorneys. Um, but that's, that's where it started. Wow. And like, after all these, epi- and, and have you done any face to face? Did you ever do any in a studio or has it always been like over Zoom? No, I, I, I used to do them all in person uh, in the beginning. So until COVID, uh, I didn't even have the, I didn't even know how to do it remotely. Um, so yeah, I would go to Flag, I would take my gear up there, uh, and then I would go to LA. I mean, we, I got thrown out of a Beverly Hills hotel recording with a, with a psychiatrist. And we had to go record in her car. She, we parked. We parked on the side of the road with microphones. So I was in the passenger seat. Um, but yeah, that was my whole thing. Was I wanted <laughs> to do it in person? And I felt like Phoenix. Phoenix had opportunities. Flagstaff, and then you know, L.A. There was always opportunities for to to try to connect with people. I used Instagram before I was on Twitter. I only got on Twitter because of Dr. Lee Mignon. I don't even know who that is. So don't you miss, don't you miss Dr. the Lee face-to-face? Mignon, uh, Sorry, you were saying, Dr. I do. No, no, no. Yeah, well, no, Dr. Lee Mignon is, uh, she was a virologist that was on Tucker Carlson that escaped. Um, you remember her? She was, um, she was on, she was on Tucker Carlson a few times. But she had, um, she said, create a, twi- create a Twitter account or retweet because she didn't have Instagram. And then, you know, Twitter is like, or X now is like, you know, just, I'm, a dumpster fire man i love it you like twitter right now you like x i like x because i get to connect with a lot of people a lot of people that you know i wouldn't normally have met or connected with i now do so for example i saw someone post something on my feed saying how they're a doctor in australia and they've been barred from their licensing board because they're using ivermectin I messaged them saying, I'd really like to connect with you and hear your story. Next thing, boom, you know, on my WhatsApp. Hey, this is my number. Give me a shout. Blah, blah, blah. It's great. I love that. I love that, that, you know, that instant response from people. But um, I was going to say, don't you miss face-to-face podcasts? Because I do a mixture of both. I have a lot of podcasts that are here in my studio. And I love that. I love that energy. You can see them. You can eyeball them. There's not, you can read their body language. You can feel their energy. You don't have a lag over the internet. I feel like the podcasts that I do face to face are a million times better. No disrespect to you over, over, you know, over the airwaves right now. But like if you were here in person, it would be so much better. Don't you think so? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's so great about technology now is like, we can reach people all over the world and we're, we're, we have no limits on who we could talk to. And mm. that's what I love about, you know, about the zoom now. And, uh, I like, I, oh, don't get me wrong. If I could do them all in person, uh, I would take that, take that, but and you think about what we can do now, like what your show is doing, what I'm doing. I mean, we can, we can go find somebody and set it up within a day. You know, and yeah. get that conversation. And uh, especially yeah. as it's, you know, we, we're talking to like the information, you know, some of the information that like I talk about or people that I have on that talk about stuff, it expires within 
you know, I'm at a point now, I don't even like holding on to this stuff more than a day because, you know, if you have somebody on here talking about Israel Hamas or, you know, Russia, Ukraine or any, you know, political, you can't hold on to that for a week. I only like hold on to it for a couple hours because it could change. I, I've, got, I've got a slightly different problem. So I've got so many guests and I've, I've basically done too many interviews. <laughs> I've got so many people I want to talk to. So I normally have like 10 podcasts already recorded and waiting to go live. And you know, it takes normally two, three weeks to get them out. I think I don't do that many things that are topical, like, like current events. My ones are more health or things that have happened in the past. And, you know, there's no time urgency, if that makes sense. So, for example, I've just done an incredible podcast this morning called, you know, that I'm going to call Dr. Paul Alexander Unchained. And I'm actually going to release it on Boxing Day, the day after Christmas. It's going to be a Boxing Day special. I mean, because it, it is a whopper. You know, he was in the Trump administration. He was having meetings with Fauci. And it's like, like people need to hear his story and what happened to him. And so I recorded it today, which is, what day is it today? Third, third of December. And, but I'm not going to release it for another 23 days because it's not urgent. Like nothing will change mm. by then. You know, like what, what he's got to say, it's not, it doesn't matter whether it's today or tomorrow, 23 days from now, because what was done in the past. Um, so I think maybe that's how your podcast is slightly different from mine. But I've had, I want to talk about like your learning curve and I want to hear about like what were the most memorable guests and what the challenges are running a podcast and what, what's been the hardest thing. And, and then let's just cross, you know, exchange notes on, on, on whether the issues that you faced have been the same as mine, because there's definitely a learning curve for sure. Like definitely. Now I'm like 90 episodes in and I'm definitely getting to that point where I'm a little bit more comfortable and I can start reading my guests a little bit better. I know when to pause and ask them questions. I've, I've accepted the delay in you know, this remote platform. So I, I kind of know when to jump in with a question, even though I hate the delay. Um, but yeah, let's talk about you, your experience first. So What's been your greatest learning curve? What's the thing that you've learned the most, uh, you know, doing so many podcasts? Uh, becoming an active listener. You know, one of the biggest compliments people have paid to me, because I, I don't feel like I do this good enough in my personal life, is being, I'm always <laughs> wanting to talk. And, uh, he, well, I, and people, you know, people have paid the compliment. They're like, you really let your guests talk. And to me, that is that is such a. I mean, I, it's so flattering because I don't look at myself like that. And even in my own personal life, I try to catch myself and say, because the more you listen and the more you absorb, the more you can a get a read on people and b um, try to under you can understand you know where it is they're coming from. And that that's to me what it's all about. So mm. uh, it's taken me, you know, I don't know you ever really fully learn that, right? It's just it's always kind of evolving, but. Um, the fact that, you know, doing it as many as I have now that like to be able to just sit back and listen to people and give them the space to talk. Cause it's not about me. You know, I mean, I, people don't want to hear from me on, on my show. They, they want to hear from these people and I'm interested in it cause I'm trying to learn, you know? Nice. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. But I mean, people do want to hear a little bit from you. Um, and the thing is as a, 
as an interviewer and a host and someone who's you know got their podcast it's about how you ask questions and how how you get interesting things out of your guest isn't it that's the key challenge getting them to be comfortable and open up that's what i found yeah it's the old, it's the old uh, sales i saw copiers a long time ago 20 years ago and it's the whole what where why how and who right the five open ended questions that when you ask people that they can't give you a yes or no but i don't know about you do you find like how much research do you do with somebody when you um, when you have some when you schedule like a person? Um, it depends who they are. Depends who they are and their story and their history. Um, I won't be reading all of their books. That's for sure. Like I just don't have time for that. But I do a reasonable amount. You know, I'll I'll go through you know a couple of hours reading through their website their past articles or blogs or substacks. I will look up their Twitter feed or Instagram account and see what they've been talking about and what they're interested in. Um, so yeah, you know, a little bit. How about you? So, so it's funny. I used to do all this research. I still do like what you just said, but I, I, I would, you know, stress out the night before and, I mean, I remember Freddie Roach in particular. Like, I've known him since I was a kid. But I was just, you know, it was the whole idea of like, it was all set. I mean, I was brand new and it was set up through a friend and um, we have a relationship with his family. Uh, so that's how that happened. And it was in LA at the wild card gym. You know, all these great legendary fighters trained. And um, so the night before, I'm like, just got sitting in the lobby of my hotel, pages and pages and notes and, and, uh, stressed out. I'm like, what if I forget something, a stat, whatever. And, um, and then a friend of mine who's an ultra runner, uh, who lived in Phoenix, he moved to Austin, but he had been on Joe Rogan a couple of times. And, you know, when Joe Rogan was in LA and I said, you know, what, what's it like in this, you know, do you have, does he have a bunch of notes? Does he have like a hundred pages of notes? He's like, no, he's got a pad of paper and he writes a couple of things down. He goes, maybe the authors, he reads the books or whatever. He's like, but yeah, he, he just lets the conversation where it goes where it goes. And if he gets to all the talking points, great. If not, that's okay too. And when he said that to me, it just kind of alleviated things for me. Now, I have a pad of paper next to me and I'll write stuff down while I'm talking because I just forget if I don't write it down. But, you know, and I'll have some things written down like I want to cover. But I also, I never looked at myself as like an interviewer. Like, I, you know, I don't, I didn't go to school for this. I, I'm just the kind of person who's, I'm a very social person, even in my personal life. And, um, you know, I just said it. I'd like to talk like I'm talking to you, like we're ha having coffee right now. Man, hundred percent. So I, I don't even have a paper pad. <laughs> I just don't even have that. I've got a rough oh, idea. You don't have a paper pad? I just forget. Uh, you got I, fancy, you got fancy degrees, man. You got, you, I mean, you got, you got all the, <laughs> all the, the accessories. I, I think. <laughs> I think I do have a good memory. So I've got a good memory um, and I don't stress out. So I've, I never did the whole, oh, I need to stress out and I, I need to get all the questions and I need to. So I used to be a perfectionist, but I realized a long time ago that the enemy of good is better. And if you're constantly beating yourself up, oh my God, I need to get it better. I need to get better. Do you know what? It's just not going to work. You just need to chillax sometimes. Just chill out and have good vibes. And if I'm chilled out and I've got good vibes and hopefully it will rub off, the energy will rub off on my guests and they'll be chilled out and they'll be fine. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've never been guilty of that. Um, 
maybe I'm a bit too chilled out. I think sometimes. Um, what else um, have you learned? What, what I mean, what have the, what are your challenges when it comes to doing podcasting? What's the hardest thing? I can tell you my one in a second, but you tell me first. Uh, I think the hardest one, you know, you have people, this actually hasn't happened in a while, but when I've had, when you have one conversation, you have it and you're like, man, this is just not going anywhere. Like, this is just <laughs> not, this is just, this is just, and like, I always put them out. Like I, you know, I, I always publish them cause whatever, you know, but you're just like, man, this is, this is awful. Like, why is it awful? I just, there's like just no rhythm in between us. Like, you know, not opening up, like holding back. Um, you know, you, you, you try to, you know, get some momentum going back and forth with the person. And, uh, I mean, this, I'm sure it, 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 it hasn't happened to me in a long time. Um, you know, we are even asking questions and like with one person in particular, you know, was, was getting kind of defensive and I'm like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to like find out anything top secret. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to understand so we could have a good conversation. And, um, yeah. So it, yeah, <laughs> it, but you know, what's funny is like, you think they're not great. And somebody's like, Oh, that was really good. I'm like, really? Okay. That's really funny. That's really know. funny. What do I know? So, so I've got, I, me is, is you right now. So I don't know anything. So I'm different than you. I've done, I've done a few podcasts and I never published them. Am I bad? And the reason why is why they, I didn't think they were good enough. And I think I value my, my audience listeners time. So, you know, when you think the average podcast is an hour, maybe an hour and a half, that's a big chunk of time in someone's life. We're all busy people. No one is not busy. Like, I, I, you know, I would really struggle to find anyone who is not busy. You're either rushing around, working, commuting, you know, doing stuff with your family, looking after kids, cooking meals, cleaning, rushing around. You know, it's just constant. So if I'm going to expect someone to listen to my podcast, you know, an hour, hour and a half, I really hope it, it's worth their time. I mean, I'm honored and privileged that I'm in their ears. You know, their little headphone is buzzing away and they can hear me. That's a privilege, and I don't take that for granted. And I, I think if I'm going to create content, then it has to be goddamn good and worth that person's time. Whether they're on a run in the woods, whether they're on a you know painful drive stuck in traffic, whether they're in a train squeezed and crushed next to lots of people smelling other people's bo, you know what it's like when you're on the train and some guy stinks. You know, whatever it is, wherever position they're in, they might be, they might just be chilling in a car with their other half listening to this. They might be putting their feet up with a bowl of food or something in front of them and say, yeah, let's turn on the podcast and listen to Doc Malley. Whatever, whatever their situation, you know, I want them to be enjoying it and listening to it. And, 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 and my thoughts are, I'm grateful to you. But if, if the conversation, and I've had those ones where it's grating, it is flat, it is, dead it is not good and i'm like oh, you're reaching man. you're reaching you're reaching for a question because you can't you can't get any kind of traction yeah you just think why am i going to put my listener through this this is painful i'm struggling with this um so what i've done in the past and on a few occasions which i've said by the way that one didn't work 
<laughs> just it didn't work. It 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 wasn't good enough. Let's come back, come back, and let's do it again. And a few have, a few have, and it was actually much better. Um, a few I just didn't bother inviting back. Maybe I'm just I'm, I'm apologizing to anybody who is in that camp. There weren't very many. We're talking about like five. Let you know on one hand, um, mm. where I just thought the person was just me, 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 me. And I'm like, mm, didn't really like that either. Anyway, I had one recently where we were 15 minutes into this remote podcast and there was no backwards and forwards. There was no, there was nothing. It was really weird. I had to stop it. I said, is everything all right? And they went, well, you didn't make me feel welcome. And I was like, what? What? (laughs) Made everybody try and feel, make them feel welcome. And they're like, you weren't very hospitable and you never asked me any questions. And the funny thing, my opening question was, all right, tell me, tell me about what's been going on. And that was their chance to get going. Um, But they didn't. Anyway, they weren't very happy. They sent me lots of Bible quotes. <laughs> I was like looking at my phone. So, right. so it never, it never, it never. Fifteen minutes, and then you. So you should put. I would love to hear that. Actually, I, I would love to hear that. You're weird. <laughs> Why would you want to hear that? You know what? I, I here, here, here's, here's the thing, man. Because I, I like listening to you is great. I, I, I cannot wait. I'm sidetracking here for a second with you. I can't wait for you and Dave Collum. Like that is going to be a fantastic conversation. Like, I, I I would encourage any. I mean, I just had him back on. I have mine all the time. I don't like to. I don't like to bother him, you know, too much. But if he, that guy is so interesting, and w- to hear you two talk, not to hype, not to put pressure or anything, but that that's going to be a great conversation. Block off oh. two hours for that one. That that's going to be a good conversation. Okay, but you know, no. here's the thing though with that stuff with the with the ones that you think that might be that might be bad. Um, you never know, man. I don't know. I just I like I once I, I once I uh, record them. You know, they don't to me in my eyes they don't belong to me anymore. I just put it out there and and um, I don't know. I think it's um, put, take the the good with the bad, man. But the ones that I think might are good, sometimes people don't think are good. So. I'm going to release a poll with this podcast on Spotify and say, should I release the Bind podcast? <laughs> you know, the other thing as well is like, for example, there was someone really funny on Instagram, like really funny on Instagram, really witty. And I loved it. And I, th- I still think they are. But when we did the podcast, they, sh- they were just a little bit very, they were quite serious. And it was like a different persona. And I was like, man. I feel like I've just, you know, booked a date on an app <laughs> and the person in real life isn't who I clicked the picture on. <laughs> it's like, what's going on here, man? Come on. Where, where's the humor and the jokes and the laughter? And yeah, it was a bit, I don't know. I mean, this is what I mean by the learning curve for me. I've just realized you, sometimes you, who you think someone is, their persona on social media isn't necessarily who they are in real life. and um. Some people actually get quite shy in front of the camera as well. They get quite intimidated. I didn't really realize that. They find it quite nervous. I, I, the other problem that I've had is when I reach out to some people who I think are genuinely quite interesting, they go, oh my God, there's no way I'd come in your podcast. I'm like, why? <laughs> I'm expecting the worst. And they're like, you've had amazing guests. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. Oh my God. No, I've got nothing to say. I'm just. No, no, I, like I, I'm not. I'm not important enough. I'm like, what? 
Don't be daft. Like you are. And they're like, no, I'm just a nobody. And I'm like, I like nobodies. I'm a nobody. But they don't want to come on. And it's like, what the heck? Quite, I don't know what to do. I had somebody like that from a comedy standpoint. And um, I actually forgot about it until you just mentioned it. And this person blew up uh, shortly after we talked. Like They were on t- trajectory to blow up. And then they, they this person blew up. And uh, that was another one of those conversations where I was like, you know, this just isn't, you know, I've had other comedians. I was a comedian. I've had other comedians on in the past. That it was, it was, it was a pretty good back and forth. But I don't know, comedians, they're kind of hit and miss. You know, they can get on stage and they can perform their act, but when you get them on, you know, you're talking to them like interactive. It sometimes just doesn't, it doesn't translate the way you think it might. Oh my god, I can't believe you're talking about a comedian because I just. I had an interaction with a comedian, someone who I thought was really funny during COVID, had was cancelled. I wanted to get them on. Someone um, gave me their number and I rang them. And when I got to, through to them, they were actually really quite abrupt. Oh, right. Okay. Um, I'm busy. Just message me. I was like, oh, okay. And then um, I messaged so many times, dude, like million gazillion messages. And like after weeks, then I'd be like one response. Sure. I'll come on send me a date and then I would send dates and then I'd phone them. They'd decline my number. Like they would literally say declined, you know, and you know, I've left so many voice messages and voice notes and they'd be like, sorry, busy. Um, send me a few dates. And it was just like, <laughs> like this over literally, you know, this is September, October, November, now, now December. And I've never had this problem with any other guest. Like, you know, literally normally it's like the next day or, on the same day, someone will email me back saying, yeah, I'd love to come on your show. Thank you so much. You know, what kind of dates are you thinking of? And so after four months, almost September, October, November, December, um, three months, um, I said, look, you know, what's going on? You know, I originally asked you for a date in December. Now, finally, we're, you're saying yes, but I'm now looking at February. Are, can you do any of these dates? Nothing. And then I said, like, I, I can't do this. Like, if you don't want to come on my show, just say so. Um, we're all busy. I get that. But communication is really important. Like, come on. Like, this is like a bit weird now. And straight away this time, straight away this time, he messaged back. Yeah, I think you're right. Let's drop it. I was like, what? <laughs> Almost, I was like, it's a bit weird. It's like, so that's my one weird kind of like scheduling situation. Um, but most, the vast majority of my guests have been amazing and just said, here, here's my number. Give me a shot. Let's book it. And that's been quite nice. So I, I don't know what it's like for you when it comes to scheduling. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I'm kind of in a, it's, it's funny now. Like, I'll say for myself and then I'm going to ask you the same question. Like, my show's kind of gone in a different direction now because, I, you know, I, I'm finding things to me are more relevant than some other things, you know? And, um, like, I really like, like, the Dave Collins of the world, the Tom Luongos, the Jim Kunstler, the people that have, I mean, Dave doesn't have a blog, but, like, the people that have, like, their own blogs or, you know, they're talking about things that I'm, I'm just very interested in right now, you know? Like, I'm really interested in the economic side of things mm. um you know i'm very interested in um this israel hamas i mean i think it's just this is an incredible story and um 
you know, and I, I've, I haven't been shy of what my thoughts are on it. And, um, you know, um, I haven't, I haven't been able to, I've gotten some very, very pro Israel people. I'm trying to get, you know, the other side of it, you know, um, you had Eva Bartlett on, I've, I've been trying to connect with her for a while. Um, cause I just find that, you know, this whole thing, you know, it's, it's a, it's a no win scenario where this is at. And, um, you know, I'm, so I'm, what? I'm well, not I'll send call a, for thousands send, of people to get killed. I'll send a message to Ava and see if she wants and see if she'll connect with you. I'll do that. So listen, tell me, well, what are your thoughts about Hamas, Gaza, Palestine, Israel? I think there's no, I, I, you know, first and foremost, I'm an American, right? And what's in the best interest of America to me, you know, for us to be involved in this, another war. We were Russia, Ukraine, which are still somewhat involved in that, even though that's a lost, that's lost. Now we're in Israel. Now we're in the, now we're in this. Um, we've got, I'm never going to call for thousands of people to be killed. I, I'm just not, you know, I'm, um, I don't know if I told you this, maybe I did, but, you know, my father was 100% Lebanese. You know, my grandfather was born in Lebanon. Um, you know, my mother's, you know, European, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, there's going to be no winners out of this thing. And, uh, I don't know how it's going to go. Uh, surprised that it hasn't spread yet. Um, whether it be to Turkey or to Iran, or, um, but a lot of people are going to die. And, um, you know, what's the I'm reference with your? For that. What's the reference with your heritage? Why is that of importance? What difference does that make? Well, well I'm you know again I'm an American first, but I'm you know, but I grew up you know Middle Eastern. I mean around a lot of Lebanese people. And, uh, you know, so I've never been over there. I can't be like, oh, I'm, you know, from there. But, I mean, I, my church, you know, I grew up Orthodox, but uh, it was a Lebanese Orthodox church. And, um, you know, so, and I have friends here locally that are from Iran and uh, Palestinian. And not, so I have Jewish friends too, but I, I, I don't know what the solution is to all this. Like, well, I mean, what what do you think? I know you've talked about it a little bit, or you talked about it a bunch. So, okay, I'll come to that in a second. So, do you speak Arabic? Just the bad words and the body parts on women, the inappropriate body parts on women. <laughs> That's what I learned when I was a kid. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is hilarious. So, I speak Hindi stroke Urdu like a five-year-old kid would. That's the amount of vocabulary that I know. I can't read or write. I was at a wedding yesterday. Um, do you know Sunil Dand, Dr. Sunil Dand? He's a British doctor who now lives in America. He got married to this beautiful American girl, Caitlin, and then he had this little reception back home in the UK. So it was a you know mixture of you know Indian heritage, Hindu heritage, and English, British, and American. It's quite it's quite nice. Um, Anyway, I was speaking to some people there and um, I had to practice my hin- my Hindi. And I, I, I was told I was, I was speaking very well. And I was like, are you kidding me? For a, like a five-year-old? He was like, no, you're doing great. Um, that's the only reason why I'm asking. Anyway, so you said you've got some things to say about Israel Palestine. You kind of dodged it. You didn't really say much other than you don't want to ask for anyone to die. I mean, that's kind of reasonable. But you got no other views on it? Well, Nothing no. else? Well, I mean, they're bombing. They're bombing that area, man. Those people—they have nowhere to who? go. Who's bombing who? Nowhere to go. 
Who are you talking Israel, about? Who's bombing sorry, who? Israel is bombing Israel. Israel. Israel's bombing Gaza, and they those people they they have nowhere to go. But they're dirty terrorists. You know, they're Hamas like, terrorists. We should bomb the hell out of Hamas. And they voted for Hamas, so by default, I, we should I, kill them all. That's what the yeah, right when people say that. Like, saying. First, like, like it's a like it's a fair election. Like they have a fair election over there. And then, and then the other thing is too is you know I've had friends say to me, well, they should have. You know, they should leave. They were told to leave. I said, where are they supposed to go? Where, where are these well, people supposed to go? Well, dude, haven't you seen the map? Israel's tiny and there's all these green um, Arab countries, Muslim. They can bugger off over there. That's what they say. What do you think of that? I mean, <laughs> we're, they got nowhere to go. I mean, I'm coming back to that, like, these people, they're, I mean, they're, Poor? I mean, what, what are they supposed to do? All right, listen, listen. Let me answer it for you. So, did I answer, did I answer it right? I, I don't want you to think I dodged it. I don't want to walk away thinking I dodged the question. I think you did. I, I, we I, talked about I, this when you came back on my episode. Yeah, I think I think I would have answered it slightly differently. This. I think I'd answer it differently. So when when I ask you, like you know, these guys, there's all these Muslim Arab countries that can bugger off there. And um, the problem with that attitude is it's actually fundamentally racist because you're assuming that all these arab countries these muslim countries are the same people and they're not they are not just because they speak the same language and predominantly follow islam doesn't mean they're the same people because before islam was there before whenever 600 ad before that there were actually pagans christians and jewish people and they were like in Lebanon, they were the Phoenicians. You've got the people in Israel and Judah and the Judeans and whatever. You've got the Egyptians, you've got the Canaanites, you've got the people in Iraq and Iran, you've got the people in Assyria, whatever. You've got people in, in the you know, Arab Peninsula. These, these are all fundamentally different people with their own dialects, their own traditions, their own cultures, their own foods. And even now, when the blanket of Islam came down, they've actually got their own different variations of Islam and their own different beliefs. It's not homogenous. It's just like Christianity isn't homogenous. You've got so many different churches. It's the same with the Muslims over there. They don't follow the same mosque in every single country. And even their Arabic is slightly different now, and it's tailored to each country. And ethnically, genetically, they're different peoples. Um, so... Telling the people from Palestine, I will just bugger off and leave your land and go some other country, is is actually really not fair. It's like saying to the New Zealanders, ah, do you know what? Leave the island and, you know, why don't you go off to South Africa or Canada? I mean, they're all English-speaking Christians there. Just bugger off back to those countries. You've got plenty of places to go to. Well, no, maybe they think of New Zealand as their home and they don't want to go to these other countries. That's not their country. So they can't go anywhere because that's their country. And they're already, most of the people in Gaza are like, you know, 1 million out of 2.3 million or something like that are refugees. So you're asking refugees to become refugees again. I mean, these refugees are now, you know, you've got grandchildren of the original refugees who are now born in refugee camps and I've never gone back home. You're asking these people to displace again? Like, 
you honestly think they're ever going to then get back home? Of course not. So that was my argument to that. And about the bombing of Hamas, listen, I'm no fan of Hamas. I'm no fan of any fundamentalist Islamist group. I don't, I'm not even a Muslim, right? I just don't believe in any religious theocracy, whether it's Christian, Muslim, or Jewish, right? I just don't believe in that stuff. Just, you should separate state from religion. And, you know, I don't think those Hamas people are good people. And I think they must have known what was going to happen when they went out and did their thing. They knew there was going to be this massive disproportionate use of force. It was going to punish mainly the civilians and the young and the, and the women. And, and that was wrong. Like, what were they hoping to achieve by doing this? It's ridiculous. But the argument that the Palestinians voted for Hamas and therefore we must bomb them is the most ridiculous, unethical, stupid thing you can ever imagine. I mean, nowhere where there was election was Hamas ever in the majority in any of the parts of Gaza where they voted. None. I mean, the elections weren't, weren't done, for, uh, were done, for example, but I think back in 2006, 2007. I mean, most of the kids now were born after those elections. They never voted for Hamas. There's been no free elections since then. There's, you know, and, and Hamas has been supported and sponsored by Israel and the West. They wanted it to be a, you know, a, a division between Fatah, the secular kind of movement, and have an Islamist group in that were basically the boogeymen, the nut jobs that they could say, look, you know, we can't have a peace deal because, look, there's no one for us to negotiate with. Who do we negotiate with? Fatah? PLO? Hamas? Ah, see, they need to sort out their shit. And until they do, we're going to carry on doing what we do. We're going to keep building settler, um, set, settlements. We're going to keep doing the status quo. So it was, it was wonderful for them. So that whole argument of, you know, let's punish a, collectively a whole group of people because they voted for Hamas is ridiculous. I mean, it's like saying, it's like, it's like saying what Osama bin Laden used to say, you know, you Americans voted for, for Bush so you're guilty and we're going to go out and kill all the Americans. Yeah, I mean, people vote Bush, but Bush didn't have the majority. Even if, even if he did, his actions don't mean that the population should get punished for it. No one voted for a war. No one voted to bomb anyone else. Our politicians do things all the time without our permission. And you just need to look at COVID as an example. I never voted for lockdown, mandates, experimental mass injections. What now? I should be punished because I voted in the last election or, you know, forget the fact I even voted because they're my leaders and my representatives. I should be punished because they're my you know, political leaders. I mean, come on, this whole argument is just BS. The reality is the whole thing stinks. That's my take. But let's talk about solutions. You must have an idea of how to sort out this mess. I think people always talk about problems, but no one actually talks about solutions. Do you have any ideas how to get out of this mess? Well, one thing, I just want to add something before I answer that, you know, it, which I'll be curious. I don't think you and I talked about it when you came on my show last is, you know, Israel, when you talk about vaccination, they were requiring all of their people to get vaccinated. Didn't they have like one of the highest percentages of vaccination rates? Yes. Don't you yeah. find that interesting that the, that the, the government was requiring their people to, to get these poisonous shots. And now all of a sudden it's, it's protecting the people. I just, I, I said that to somebody that like, I don't think that's relevant. I'm like, I find that very relevant. 
Yeah, I think it's 100% relevant. I think these politicians, wherever they are, Hamas, Israel, wherever, the states, they don't actually, frankly, give a damn about us. They don't give a damn about us. We're, we're pawns in their games and their scheming. It's as simple as that. We're pawns. And they don't give a damn. Anyone who literally thinks that these politicians and governments care about us, I'm smart, sorry, but you're a schmuck. <laughs> you're a schmuck. I mean, let's go back. Solution. What's the solution, buddy? That's, that's where I'm in. I, I don't know what the solution is. You know, I, re- I really don't. I, I, don't, I don't know how these, these, how can they coexist? The two solution state, I don't think it's possible. Um, so where do you go from here? How does this thing, how does it get resolved? I, 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 I mean, I have no idea. I don't know what the solution is to this. And that's I why I'd love to get somebody on the other side of it because. Well, I think the solution is a one state. I think it's a one state where they learn to live together and share the land where it's like a united republic of Israel and Palestine, where it's not um, a a state for Muslims or Jews or Arabs or Israelis. It's a state for all of the people there. And the idea of telling all the Israelis to go back to their European countries or wherever their grandparents came from is ridiculous. The idea of telling Palestinians to go and move to Egypt and Syria and whatever, even though that's their land, is ridiculous. I think everyone now should just live in that land and it should not be a theocracy. It shouldn't be an apartheid. Everyone should have equality and it should be decentralized and respect should be given to individuals and their rights and their property rights. And there should be no bullying, no violence on any side. There should be no Islamist state. There should be no Sharia law. But there should also not be this religious Jewish state either. It should be just a state for everyone. And the official religions will be Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and Druze. But actually, if you're an atheist or agnostic, you should have exactly the same rights as everyone else. And I think you know, it's possible. It's, it was like that for centuries. It's like that in many countries still. And this idea that people just hate each other is absolutely nonsense. So I'll give you an example. So the conversation I was having with this 91-year-old who said my Hindi was very good. He was born in a place called Peshawar. Peshawar is in modern-day Pakistan. But him and his family were born in Peshawar and were Hindus. And they had to move to India during the partition. And he tells me, his family, his parents, they lived side by side with the Muslims and, and the Christians in, in India and the Sikhs. And communities were mixed. They all went to each other's weddings. They all looked after each other's kids. They had the same food. They wore the same clothes. They spoke the same language, but guess what? what? Some people went to the temple, some people went to the church, some people went to the mosque. Fundamentally, you know what? They all just got on well. And then the British Empire came along, and then the British came along, and they partitioned and divided this country. And so you then had people fighting each other. Now, if you go to Pakistan now and say, what do you think of Indians? They go, oh, we hate the Indians. If you go to 
India and say, what do you think of the Pakistan? They go, we hate Pakistan. Now, I was born in Scotland and I grew up, you know, in the, in Scotland for 26 years. And then I moved down south to England and I live here now. And I have met so many British Indians and Indians who've come over from India. Sikhs, Hindus, Jay, you know, you name Jane, you name it, all sorts. And I've never seen anyone not get on well. And I found that the Muslims and the Hindus and the Pakistanis and the Indians and the Sikhs, they all get, really, they all get on really well. And at the weddings, they're all there. They're all eating the same food, speaking the same language, cracking the jokes, Punjabi jokes or whatever jokes. They're all just having a blast. But when they go back to their own respective countries on holiday or whatever, it's like, oh, no, that's the enemy. It's the enemy. So what I'm trying to say is the people all can get on fine. It's the governments. It's the leaders. It's the people at the top that cause all the problem. People just want to get on just fine. Like no one, no one, I don't know anyone who has, is like, they've got this bitter enemy kind of like philosophy in their head. Oh, I hate those people. I want to kill them. That's BS. I mean, you might have some tiny minority of weird fanatics, but like a vast majority of people don't give a damn about any of that. They just get on fine. They just want to, they want to get on with nice, like-minded people. It's governments and their leaders that cause problems. That's why I think, what do you think? So, so knowing that, right, like I, I, I agree with you, but is that realistic? Because these governments are never going to allow that, especially at this point. Like until it's in the eminent, you know, you come to, to America right now, the United States, this country is so divided and most people, most people aren't involved in all this, like these types of conversations, like you and I, I mean, you're, you're much more on the, you're, you're in, you are in the, uh, the field, man. I'm in the stance. I'm not in the fire the way you, you know, what you've been subjected to with being attacked, uh, your income, your ability to make a living. So I'm not, you know, I haven't experienced any of that. But, you know, people, regular people just want to, they want to go to work. They want to have, you know, raise their kids, meet somebody or whatever, have some extra money to go do stuff and, and not be bothered by this. But now these governments, and if, you know, COVID showed us now, they are never going to leave us alone, especially, I mean, the United States where I live, they're not interested in allowing people going back to normal, quote unquote normal, which I hate that word now, by the way. So, so like in theory, yeah, that's the way it should be in the Middle East. Is it possible? I don't see how that's possible because these governments are just not going to allow it. So, dude, dude don't be so negative. Take a step back and say, all right, what's? Sorry, I was saying, don't be negative. It's kind of it. everything's I mean, possible. How how do you get rid of these government officials? Like, how do you how do you at this point these people at the top? To me, the system. Like in the United States, like these institutions are just so far gone. I don't think you can vote your way out of it anymore. Right, right. Okay, I'll answer that. So first of all, I got called a positive doomer. Dave, Coll- Dave, Coll- Dave Collin called me a positive doomer. <laughs> <laughs> There's too much doom and gloom here. Get those made up in the coffee mugs. Positive you should. doomer. Positive doomer. That should be good yeah. merch. Well, listen, listen. <laughs> we, we need to change that. We need to change that doom and gloom thing. So first of all. Yeah, it's interesting you said you're trying to get through to Ava Bartlett. Uh, you know, are you sure you want to do that? Because it was her conversation that I did a clip of on my Instagram that got me cancelled from my latest hospital. Now, the question is, are is the hospital just simply using 
that as a pretext to get rid of me because frankly you know they're they've they've all got it in for me they don't like the fact as a consultant surgeon i'm calling out the bs i'm exposing all the lies deceit fraud and scam that that's been going on and they want to punish me and there's a playbook you know you you investigate someone you discipline them then you suspend them then you sack them then you financially ruin them if that's not enough then you discredit them you smear them you drag their name through the mud and um, you ridicule them so that no one will take you seriously. And I, I expect that's going to be coming for me around the corner, by the way. Remember I said that. Um, and then if that doesn't work, then they try and basically will kill you. <clears throat> so, you know, I got suspended from a hospital because I posted a clip of Ava Bartlett. Now, bear in mind, I've had someone on pro-Zionist defending Israel, Professor Fenton, and I've, people, I've had people on you know, talking about the plight of the Palestinians and, you know, some who are not Zionists. I've been trying to be quite balanced and just giving her a platform and giving her a voice on my social media account was enough for the hospital to suspend me and investigate me. I mean, this is a crazy, loony world that we're in now. And the, and I've talked about this on my Substack, but the Punishment is the process because as long as I'm suspended, I'm not earning. I can tell you right now, I'm not earning anything. Now I'm 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 literally like you know a very nice salary that I was getting working three days a week as an orthopedic consultant gone right overnight, and now I'm totally reliant on a few hundred Substack subscribers, which is not meeting even a fraction of my costs and bills and mortgage and whatnot. This is the price you pay now in the world that we're living in just for having conversations, not even, you know, anything controversial, nothing really heated, you know, no, nothing. I mean, there was nothing in there, you know, and this is the price that we're paying. Now, moving back about being doom and gloomy, what I would say to you is Israel and Palestine actually offer an incredible, incredible opportunity because the forces that they're facing are the same dark forces that the rest of us in humanity are facing. These people who want to control us, subjugate us, brainwash us, propagandize us, have us fighting each other constantly, profiting from our misery, enslaving us. And trust me, the people in Israel are just as much enslaved they're starting smart cities there, 15-minute cities. They're doing the whole shabam there. The people in Israel are not free. They've got gagging orders and laws that if you say anything that can damage the morale of the country, we can arrest you. I mean, does that sound like a free and open democratic society? I mean, anything could be judged to be harmful to, for the morale of the, of, the, of the nation. Hey, Mike, you're a bit of a doom and gloom kind of guy. We don't like your podcast. You're damaging the morale of our nation. We're going to arrest you. I mean, like, what kind of BS is that? So the people in Israel are now living in fear. They're told constantly that the bad Arabs and Muslims want to kill them and decapitate them and they hate them. They need to sign up to the army and live in this constant state of fear. They're being told to other this group of people that they are to dehumanize them. 
And when you dehumanize another group of people, guess what? You get dehumanized yourself. So I feel sorry for the Israelis. Now, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for that, but I think they're victims. I genuinely think they're victims. And then if you, but it's slightly different. You know, the bombs aren't falling on them quite like they are in, in Gaza, but they're still victims, Mike. And the people in, in Gaza, I mean, they're obviously victims. They're children dying, you know, women dying, innocent people dying. And their, their, their little open air prison camp is now being reduced to rubble. I mean, they're obviously, but I mean, is this looking good for Israel? I mean, is this looking good for them? Is this going to help fight anti-Semitism, which is a real problem? I don't think so. It's going to make things worse for them. So everyone is losing as far as I'm concerned. I'm concerned. No one, this is not a win-win situation. Then the question is, why is this being allowed to happen? Why are we being shown all these images? And why is the media doing this to us? We're all being manipulated one more time, again and again. It's a simple playbook, guys. Hey, everyone, look there. And uh, the military-industrial complex profits, the politicians' profits, the little puppeteers' profit, but the normal human beings suffer. And there's a lot of suffering going on. Now, the moment people realize this and overthrow the tyrants that are there, Hamas, Israel government, as they are in our countries, the moment we can overturn these centralized, authoritarian, brainwashing, propagandizing regimes and replace them with, you know, a society where it's all about local community and it's about decentralization and honesty and accountability and love and respect and a currency that's based on something with value, which is finite. We're not relying on fiat money anymore, where, you know, love and spirituality is most important, where you uphold truth. There is only one truth, not my truth, not your truth, just reality, the world that we live in. And we overturn this clown world. The moment you can get that kind of situation in Israel and Palestine and have genuine peace, then you know what? The same will spread across the whole of humanity. I mean, it really is important. If we can get peace in Israel and Palestine, get all of those people to put down their arms and live together in peace and love and harmony and respect, do you know what? The whole of humanity will heal. But as long, but the, the opposite is also true. As long as that wound on the face of the planet is just the scab is kept being scratched and the blood is bleeding and pouring out and the wound can never heal. Humanity can never heal. That's the way I look at it, my friend. Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, again, I'm talking in relation to the United States here for a second. You know, in, for America, I mean, we we have to, in order to bring people together, we have to have that common, the commonality. And that would be suffering, right? Like during the Great Depression, people... Nobody had any money. Nobody cared about money because nobody had any money. And, and there, was a, there was a community feel. Mm. You know, people would ask me, you know, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And I said, that's and to kind of add to what you just said as an individual, you know, within our own little communities, that's what we can strive for. Because on the federal level, on the top level, um, there's only so much we can do as individuals. You can't impact what these governments are going to do. But the stronger your little community is, then you're you're self reliant and you rely less on these institutions. And um, yeah, so I 
I don't know. You know, I, 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 somebody posted this past week, uh, hopefully I have mom he, uh, to talk about this, but he was saying how he wakes up, wakes up, wakes up every morning between three and four. And, uh, and actually is what I do and has this feeling of dread. And, you know, I've talked to other people and share that with them and ask them like, you know, do you feel that way? Why do you feel that way? And so I, I, I wake up literally between three and four every morning naturally. I don't have an alarm or anything. And, um, I, I have that feeling of dread, but not, not like I don't want to, I, I want to get out of bed. I mean, I'm not, you know, I haven't given up, but I also feel like where we're at, you know, where the system is, the system financially is, is fake, you know, and, um, Dude, I, you know I just don't think that, like, oh. don't live in dread. That's not nice. I, I mean, again, I, it's not like I'm laying in bed and I don't want to get up, get up in the morning and I don't want to, you know, like I have, it's not like I have no purpose or anything like that. But I, I also, I feel like, you know, something bad is coming. Now I'm still <laughs> cheery, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm smiling right now, positive doomer. Good but- boy. <laughs> You can't help how you feel, though. Uh, you can't help how you feel. You know, I, it's one thing to say don't live in dread, but this is how I feel right now. Yeah. You know? So look, um, I I have ups and downs, and hundred percent, hundred percent. But I always recalibrate myself, and I always say, be a happy warrior, and just look at the timeline of humanity. There's been so many ups and downs, and I'm just grateful that at this point in time. I am on the right side of history that I have not given up on my principles and morals. I haven't sold out. I'm grateful that I'm brave and courageous. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful that I'm able to set an example, a good example for my children and that I can show them the way. And I will bathe in the love and the light. I'm also comforted by all the lovely supporting messages I get on a daily basis from my listeners. And I know I'm not alone and that there's millions like us. And do you know what? Yeah, things are not great. And we're living in a clown world. And it's probably going to get worse. But as sure as day follows night, my friend, things will get better. For sure. And the thing is, people like you and I hopefully will be remembered in history for the right reasons, whereas many others will fade into nothingness or be remembered for all the wrong reasons. So we're living in quite monumental times. You know what? It's an interesting time to be alive, buddy. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. And you know what? Some people think I'm crazy. I, you know, I was at this wedding yesterday afternoon and then a birthday party last night. I met three doctors and they're all like, oh, are you, are you, you're talking like you're talking I'm like, yeah. Oh my God, you're a legend. You're a hero. Oh my God, I love what you're doing. I love your stuff. I'm totally with you. Everything, climate change, transgender, the vaccine, everything. I'm like, oh, that's great. Thanks. Thanks. What are you doing about it? Oh, we're not, we're not in a position. We're not in a position to do anything. It's really difficult. It's really hard. You know, just, um, you know, I've got, I've got to look after the kids and the family and, and I'm like, like, how is my position any different? I've got a mortgage. I've got kids. I've lost everything now. How is it any different from you? 
they all, without a fault, look down at their feet. <laughs> they're all quite tall, actually. I'm like this little midget next to them all. They're all, they're all three of them were like six foot something. And they were just looking down at their feet. Like, they, they didn't know what to say. And I was like, you know, you've got kids. One day, your kids will ask you, Dad, what did you do for us? And when it does go pear shape, are you, you know, are you going to just say, I didn't do anything because I was worried about, you know, the car installments on my Tesla or my fancy holiday abroad? Or are you going to say, we made sacrifices so that you had a better future? And again, they had nothing to say. And they just kind of quietly nodded. So, yeah, it might be tough for me, and it's pretty shitty. And <laughs> we've told the kids, Mama and Daddy are not getting Christmas presents, and you've only got one present each. But we still got food on the table, and I'm hopeful, you know, my subscribers will go up every day, and hopefully, you know, maybe in six months' time, we're breaking even. We won't be in debt, and it'll be all right. It's unpredictable. It's a little bit scary. But you know what? I just feel like, I'm in a better place than these other people. I looked at those other three guys. Oh, there were three guys. They don't look happy. They don't look happy. They, they've got the money. They've got the job security. But they're living a lie. And they know that they're ultimately cowardly and fearful. Whereas I'm really happy. I'm loving what I'm doing. I love the fact that I'm spreading like the truth and honesty and reaching out and creating this beautiful community and all these people who felt lost and isolated and depressed and crazy because the world's gone crazy, but they haven't. So maybe they're crazy. They're suddenly realizing, hey, actually, we're not crazy. We're actually freaking normal. Doc Malik has created this community of like-minded individuals spanning the globe. And that's pretty fracking cool. And you're doing the same. So next time we chat, I hope you'll say, Ahmed, dude, I am a happy warrior now. No more doom and gloomy business. <laughs> I, I come across, I mean, I just, you know, I don't have the optimism in terms of the short term of like where this is all going. Um, and it could, it could last beyond my lifetime. I don't know. But, um, but, you know, I, I will say, like, personally for me, and, you know, we touched, we talked about this in the beginning, like, where I'm at right now, in terms of like physical, because that's the other thing, too, you know, I've learned over the last few years since COVID, and going forward, I mean, people have to really rely on their own self wellness and health. You can't rely on, I mean, I don't trust these health systems. And um, you you have to be you know, you have to put yourself in a position where you rely less on this. And and that's what I've tried to do or not tried. That's what I've done over the last six months. And, um, it's funny, man. I, I, um, uh, you know, how many people like fit shamed me since I've done this, you know, fit like people shamed. fit shamed me. Like, yeah, I heard that term and I thought like, Oh, that's so true. Like nobody ever says in you when you're getting fat, right? Somebody, I've had people come up to me and ask me, and and I say people like in the gym that don't know me that have all you know seen me over the last six seven months, 
people in the gym that have come up to me and just said amazing, amazing things to me. But, you know, people like that ask me if I'm sick, you know, I'm like, no, I was sick before when I was 200 pounds. I asked I was sick and, uh, you know, or don't lose too much weight. Or, I mean, I have one person, every time I see her, don't lose too much weight, don't lose too much weight. And I, I've gotten to a point where I've kind of gotten snappy, like, stop saying that to me. I'm tired of hearing that. Like, you know, I, I mean, I'm 151 pounds, but I'm five, five. Like I could easily be 145 pounds. I probably could be 140 and still be fine. Um, you know, and, uh, and the whole notion of, um, cause I, you know, I ran 90 miles last week and people, Oh, your knees, your knees. And I just want to be like, I'm going to put this on my next post. Bitch, you know, when I was 30, you said my knees would be shot at 45. Well, here I am. I'm 45. <laughs> still intact. They're still here. Do I ache a little bit more? Sure. I tore my quad 10 years ago in like a freak accident in my kitchen. I don't know if I told mm. you that. But so I have achiness from that. Uh, in that surgery, because they had to reattach two of the quad muscles. But other than, I mean, feel really good man like so you know it's just this whole notion of people like just trying to you know bring you down i mean oh, i've had a drink since may and it's not i don't know so you're saying you haven't drinks drink since may and what no i haven't i yeah i haven't i haven't i had one beer a week after we, you and i spoke i had that couple of beers that day and one more a week later and i haven't had anything since and i'm not saying i'm never going to have one i'm not righteous about it boing or you know, some writing or anything like that. But I'll tell you, I mean, at 45, if I can't go out and be social with somebody, if I need a drink to have a conversation, part of my language, that's pretty fucking pathetic. I mean, it was one thing when you're 21 or whatever, but, and even going out to restaurants, you know, I, I've gone to, I've gone out to eat. Uh, I was, I was traveling in July, so I had to go out to eat. But since then, uh, I had one salad out. And I've met people at restaurants, and this is straight from you and I's conversation. I eat before because I don't want to overpay. And the quality to me doesn't compensate what I'm paying for that. And I need a lot of food. I was starving but today. I I'll, I'll, I'll pay a premium for I'll pay a premium for a cup of coffee. That's fine. I'll pay $3 <laughs> for a, a cup of coffee to sit and chat. But I like coffee. So... <laughs> Oh, it's funny you should say that. So at the wedding, the food was meh. At the birthday party, the food was meh. And um, I hadn't really eaten properly. And I was like, oh, you know what? I was saying to my wife, you know, we go out like once every six months. It's that rare. And and on this day, we were going out twice. We had babysitter booked and everything. And I was saying to my wife, I realize why I don't I don't want to go out very often. <laughs> it's, it's always a little bit disappointing. And the food's never as good, like from what you can get at home when you cook your own food. It's never as filling, and it's so expensive. Expensive for just rubbish. So expensive. Like, you know, at that birthday party, you know, we were ordering some food and at this restaurant, I was just like, oh my god, it's so disappointing. It hasn't filled me up, and it's just garbage. And you know, the quality is not. So as you nice. did. Eat, did you? Did you? Let me. Inter I'm interrupt you a second. Did you eat? You actually ate out yesterday? Yeah, not good. Very disappointing. So what do you do? What do you What do you do when you're out, What do you do when you're out like that? Then and you and you do have to eat out because that's what I'm. I always struggle with like. So I try and have like just meat or whole foods, right? So at the wedding, 
I didn't really eat much. It was like chicken tikka cubes and stuff like that. Um, and it was just mouthfuls. And I was really not like I was, my eating window was six hours yesterday. So normally my eating window is like three, four hours max. Um, so I had a longer eating window. I had this little bit of food. We didn't stay very long at the wedding. We left early before actually the, the main meal came. We only had starters. Um, and then we went to the birthday party. After we, we dropped the kids off then went to the birthday party. And then there I ordered some chicken wings and Padron um, peppers. Um, yeah, and that was it. That was it. I was hungry. So today I made up for it. And, you know, I had lots of lamb kofta, which was amazing. Um, I had some leftover beef mints. Um, I had a bit of sourdough bread that I'd made. So I toasted that. So I had beef mints on that. I had um, fried eggs and lamb koftas. So, you know, quite meaty, carnivore type thing. And it was delish. It's really good. But yeah, I mean, sometimes you, people you do try. Sorry, saying? No, I said you still stay away from, like, my biggest, still my biggest thing right now is, like, I love, like, sugar, like, local fudge or, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go visit my mom in a few weeks, and I know she'll make pumpkin bread, and, I mean, I'm, I'm going to eat it. I mean, I just, you know, my mother's making it. Like, how can I? I could tell her not to, but, you know, it's Christmas. My mom, you know, I'm visiting her, and. Dude, I mean, I think the key thing in life is just be relaxed. I mean, stress is also a killer. So if you're stressing about these things, that's not great. So I'll give an example. Yes, I ate all that big, heavy plate of meat. Um, but my wife baked up some beautiful banana chocolate chip cookie muffins. All right. Um, chocolate chip muffins. And so, you know, very low in sugar, dark chocolate chips, you know, it was just delicious. You know, and I cut it, cut the muffin open down the middle, put a slab of butter in there and ate it. I've got no regrets. And that's the thing as well that I love about intermittent fasting, which is, you know, is I don't have any guilt. I, I had this horrible relationship with food for such a long time. I'll be honest with you. I didn't like my body. I didn't like my weight. I didn't like the way I looked. I didn't like the way I felt. I was addicted to sugar. I had high insulin levels. I had diabetes and you know it's just craving sugar all the time and I, I i don't like it um whereas now with intermittent fasting i'll restrict myself you know in terms of how long i eat i only eat typically in a three four hour window in that window i eat wholesome food that's mainly cooked by ourselves um you know some people might say banana chocolate chip muffins don't sound very wholesome but you know what my wife made them all from scratch very little sugar in them. I mean, a lot of people would say, wow, this is very bland and not sweet. Yeah, because once you don't eat sugar very much, you don't need much of it to get that sweet sensation. You know, so it was plenty sweet for me. I didn't, I don't need it to be any sweeter. And you get used to that, you see. Um, and everything else is just whole food, like mints and, and eggs, fried eggs. And even the bread, the one slice of bread was homemade with organic flour and whole flour and my own, you know, starter. Um, so, and that's just so much healthier for you. So, I, and and when you finish eating, and I had a big plate of food. The difference is, I'm full, but I'm not bloated. I'm full, but I'm not drowsy. I'm full, but I'm not sluggish. I'm full, and I've still got energy. And and that's different. And I'm not craving. I'm not craving now other foods. Like this will carry me on for the next twenty four hours. You know, I I don't have these highs and lows. 
that you get when you're eating mainly processed food and you got insulin resistance and you crash and burn and you have the spike with the sugar rush and, and your mood fluctuates. I, I don't have all, any of that because I run on ketones. My metabolism is on ketones, which is a much more steady state fuel. And equally then you're, and it's optimal brain fuel as well. Um, so these kind of things have changed my life. I'll be honest with you. You know, I mean, can I just talk about, because we're going to wrap up soon. I need to tell you something. So one of the big challenges that I have is getting my guest to send me a nice picture from my website and my podcast thumbnail. You know, so I've got a certain look, which is front facing head and shoulders. And I say to my guest, can you send me this picture, you know, up to date? Oh my God, this can be the biggest nightmare. And it's like, I didn't know. Like a lot of people get quite vain about their pictures or quite just ugh, send me these really blurred pictures, side profile pictures, like stock photos from like 20 years ago. And I'm like, dude, this isn't, this doesn't even look like you for God's sake. Someone will be like, who the hell is this person? That's not your podcast. And so I, sometimes there's several emails backwards and forwards. And then they go, this is the best I can give you. And I'm like, oh God, all right, I'll take that. <laughs> so actually that is my hardest thing that I find on the podcast. Just get a decent picture. So can you please send me a decent picture? Yeah, we're, we're, I, we could talk about it after if you want. I'll, you know, what, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I, I, I take pictures of me out in the desert running or whatever. Just a high... High resolution picture, high resolution, good quality, sharp, facing, front facing, head and shoulders. That's all I need. A sweaty post run picture is probably not ideal. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you some. All right, thanks. So, any other things running a podcast that you would give me advice on? No, I think, I, I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, I, you've won, you don't need any help from anybody like me because, you know, you've, you've, um, you know, you, you're, you're established, you know, uh, people know who you are, but I, I would say, you know, I would limit yourself. I don't know if you're doing this, but, um, I would expand it out into other areas, you know, um, uh, you know, guns, gold, economic, that's me. That's what I, I just, I'm interested in like a lot of different things. So, um, you know, bouncing around, I think is good, you know, cause things change and things become relevant, things become less relevant and then they become relevant again. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I, I it's funny. I said this earlier, you know, I'm like right now, I'm just not like the 24 election. That stuff just doesn't, just doesn't interest me right now, but all the economic stuff I find just, fascinating like i'm hoping i'll have a you know real estate uh, residential real estate uh, melody right who i've had on here a few times uh hopefully she's coming on this week uh, i want to get back in the commercial real estate space there's a guy in canadian residential real estate that I, i'm interested in talking to and then more on this israel hamas you know as this as this depending on where this goes mm. yeah i think and who I'm knows all... man who knows what the next curveball is Oh God, John, tell me about it. Man, I just, I just don't know. I don't know. Anyway, listen, mate, it's been really nice catching up on you. Um, God bless you. And thanks for having me on your show. And thank you for coming on my show.
Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for everything you're continuing to do. And uh, yeah, man, get it, get it. first of all, you knew you and I were going to talk more than an hour. I mean, we could talk for three hours right now. I knew, I knew when you said an hour, I'm like, there's no way. Like, I mean, <laughs> one of our conversations when you're on my show, I think it was two hours. Okay, I'm going to do that. We can't, we, we, there's so much to talk about with you and I. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I look forward to following your work. And um, like I said, man, I can't wait for that Dave column. When's he coming on? When is he coming on? I, I need to check my diary. I've got so many guests booked, mate. I just, yeah, I'll let you know that one i can't wait to hear you guys talk that's gonna be that's gonna be a fantastic conversation mate i i will keep you posted dave call him um anyone who doesn't know he's a professor of biochemistry i think in cornell university and he's very outspoken very intelligent very sharp um got a very active ex account very opinionated and um seems like a a fun guy and a smart guy so yeah, you've had him on, and so people can always listen to the conversations you've had with him. Yeah, he's um, yeah. I just I just had him back on a couple of weeks ago, and uh, yeah, he's just um, you just sit back and 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 listen to what he says, and it I, makes me think of things a lot differently. Um, you know, and that's another thing. Was you know, I don't know if you've experienced this. You know, like I, I say, everybody I have on, everything they say isn't always right but it's not always wrong either. And it's all about just thinking differently so you can make an informed decision. Yeah, 100%. Man, I don't know anything. I'm, I'm just questioning everything. The more I learn, the less well, if I you know. Don't know anything, if you don't know anything, then I don't, then I don't know anything at all. If you don't know anything, because you're, you know, I, I'm not the smartest guy. Um, I, I tell you this a lot. You know, I use critical thinking. Common sense seems to be gone in, in our world. And I don't know where I learned it. I didn't, didn't think I ever learned it until this all this COVID stuff started. And because uh, there are people have a lot more degrees than me, you know, had a lot more success in business, entrepreneurship, all of that, that just fell for this stuff, hook, line, and sinker. Especially the vaccines, man. Like I had people say to me that I, I had, I mean, these are people that I looked up to at one point in my life. They were like, oh, I got selected. Like they got, like they won a contest. It was unbelievable. <laughs> you know, there, there was an empty restaurant next to me. The line was around the building when they started rolling those out. Oh, and I'm God. like, where the fuck? Where am I? Where am I? People are masking up again. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, let's just, yeah. Let's just not talk about that anymore. I'm so over COVID. I actually do not enjoy talking about COVID. The only reason I keep the flame alive is that so people don't forget and I want to expose the BS that happened. I don't want the people to get off the hook that orchestrated it. Um, so, you know, I hate the topic, but I keep it alive because I think it's really important that people don't forget. People don't forget. And that it's constantly there in the back of their minds. And, you know, one day, hopefully we'll see some justice. I mean, whether it will happen or not, I don't know. But I'm not going to let it lie. I'm not going to forget about it. I'm certainly not forgiving them. Um, but I don't enjoy the topic I'll be honest with you alright my friend yeah. well listen have a lovely lovely Christmas and um, we'll touch base again in the new year sometime okay buddy you too thank you so much uh, Merry Christmas Happy New Year to all your listeners and uh, keep supporting keep supporting Doc Malik man he's doing some great work and um, you know I'm just you know it's an honor and privilege to not only be on your show but to know you 
<clears throat> excuse me to know you. So thank you. I love you, man. Thank you so much.